When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Pluto. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Schmoda. What's up, Movie Trivia Schmodown fans? Welcome to the Schmodown Rundown, the official episode of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. My name is Brad Gilmore, but you might know me by another name. You might know me as The Boat. Or if you're down in Texas or the southern areas, some parts of Florida, you might know me as What a Boat. I am here in Atlanta, Georgia, getting ready for this big match, the biggest match in the history of the Movie Trivia Schmodown. Uh, between Ben Bateman and Dan Merle. I'm excited. Uh, I'm here in my hotel room right now, in which I'm sharing with Tom Dagnino, so there's that. And I'm being joined by Frank Janish in L.A. And Frank, we have not had a proper Houston to L.A. show yet. You, I was in Alabama two weeks ago, and you were in Chicago. Last week, L.A. Vegas. And then this week, Georgia, L.A. So maybe finally next week we'll have our, our first De- uh, debut from our home bases uh but how you doing man um well considering that you had to travel and all this for the for the live event we had to figure out when to record this week's episode uh, it's pretty early here uh on on the pacific west coast and the west coast west coast frank yeah so uh i'm a bit groggy if you can't tell uh but uh <laughs> And don't look at my Twitter feed for a reason why. Uh, it, it's been um, it's been a fun week with matches, and uh, you know, hopefully your room doesn't smell that bad with Dagnino. But uh, I'm hoping uh, for the best for you. Yeah, I you know I appreciate that, Frank. I appreciate that. Um, you know, Atlanta, Georgia is an interesting place. I've enjoyed it so far. Went to um, get steak uh, last night at a place called Bones. With uh, Christian Harloff, Ben Bateman, Roxy Stryer, and of course uh, uh, the great 
and wonderful John, not Roca, because John Roca is not wonderful. A man named John that I met, and he's a very, very nice person, someone Christian was friends with. And we were sitting there at dinner, and his friend goes, John goes, hey, I think Andrew Bynum just walked in. I'm like, oh, Andrew Bynum. That's pretty dope. You know, Lakers back in the day. I think he was drafted at 17, one of the youngest players in the history of the league. I was like, oh, you know, I think he stopped playing in like 2013 or 14. I'm like, okay, cool, Andrew Bynum. So I do like the casual look over the shoulder just to, you know, confirm the presence of Andrew Bynum. It's not Andrew Bynum. Oh, boy, who is it? It wasn't even close to Andrew Bynum. But you know who it was? Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh? Yes. How do you confuse the Raptor with Andrew Bynum? I don't know. But Chris <laughs> Bosh was in the building That's cool. at Bones. And, you know, uh, the Schmodown and, and Chris Bosh shut the place down. We had the last two tables in there. And, you know, he was eating, so I wasn't going to go bother him. Because we had a chance to get him in Houston. But I just said, hey, what's up, man? You have a good evening. He said, you too, bro. And, you know, boat right. to boat, we figured it out. Boat to boat. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> boat to boat. But, any, but anyway, Janice, uh, I want to I throw this by you because we got a couple matches to talk about, a little bit of news. I want to preview, though, here at top, this Dan Morrow-Ben Bateman match. I think we should do it up top here because a lot of people – it's going down today, like literally as we're recording this. Hours or hours. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So um, is your mic plugged in? It sure is. Okay, just making sure. Um, Thank you. It sounded like it cut off for a second. So, Ben Bateman, Dan Merle. I, I think this is the biggest match in the history of the movie Trivia Shimoda. I know some people say Merle versus Roca. Some people I even saw on, on, on Chatter saying uh, Ethan and, and, and Merle from the season opener last year. I think that's a, a worthy contender. But this one, I believe, is the biggest match in the history of the league. It certainly feels like it. That's for That's for sure. It certainly feels like it. I don't think we've had hype like this around a match since maybe at least in my estimation uh Rachel Cushing versus Mike Kalinowski for the first throwdown we ever did um there's that hype around it because it was Rachel finally going for the inner geekdom belt uh and that was a pretty big deal this one does feel a little bit bigger just because it's actually at a live event and you're also dealing with the GOAT Dan Merle Ben Bateman's on a 5-0 win streak right now uh he just ransacked the entire tournament last year, uh, TKOing, knocking out people left and right. So he's on a war path, and it's like this bit of a, you know, a collision right now happening down in Atlanta. So it certainly feels like it's the – I think – I mean, with the hype surrounding it, I, it certainly feels like it is the biggest uh, match we've ever had, definitely in terms of singles and or teams. Uh, you can make that argument. Um, so I, I've been excited – for the past couple of weeks about this match and uh, the fact that we're actually here uh, on the day it's going to happen. It kind of feels like Super Bowl because, uh, you know, um, down here we're going to watch it with a few people on the live stream. Uh, we're going to have a get-together, some food, some drinks, and it's going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. This is like the first live event you've missed in a long time, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, just due to... Uh, I, the, the first one I ever missed was the San Diego one. That was, that was down mm-hmm. in Comic-Con, but that was a bit of a scheduling thing in terms of, I was going to have vacation like the next week, blah, blah, blah. This one, yeah, this one kind of sucks to miss just because I just moved out you know, to uh, Los Angeles and still getting things situated. So uh, it was best uh, to uh, sit this one out, unfortunately, bad timing, but it is what it is. But uh, hey, luckily we got the live streams or else I'd be dying out here. 
So last week I was in Vegas, like I said, for the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury 2 fight. And this was the biggest heavyweight matchup, I think, in quite some time. Um, I mean, some people said since Holyfield Tyson. I mean, this was super, super hype. I mean, I was in the building. I had that vibe. The vibe was there. You know, everybody was buzzing about it. Marty McFly was in the building. Michael J. Fox was there. Um, all the celebrities were out. And you didn't know who was going to win. Everyone said, uh, maybe Wilder. A lot of people said, oh, maybe Fury. But no one knew for sure. It was one of the first fights that I'd been to, especially since I've been covering them for ESPN, that I wasn't sure who was going to win. I picked Wilder because he's from Alabama and I was just there. And I felt <laughs> like a connect, a familial connection sure. to him. Yeah. We hung out with Wilder for a second at the MGM Grand, so I had to like show love. Um, also got to meet Mike Tyson, which was really cool. But I didn't know. I wasn't sure. And that's how I feel about this one. I'm picking Dan Merle because it's the safe bet. I was picking Deontay Wilder because it's the safe bet, 43-0. and 0, You know what I mean? Sure. 42 wins by knockout. I'm thinking, that's ah, a safe bet. Right. You know, he was the Vegas favorite. And Tyson Fury, though, is another guy who was, you know, 29 and 0 at the time, only one draw, and that was with Deontay Wilder in their first encounter. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure, though. And that's how I feel about this. Dan Merle's safe bet, but Ben Bateman has been on such a run. To go from being a 500 player to 10 and 5 and beating William Bibiani and the undefeated Paulo Yama in the same evening, right? It's impressive. And he he revealed some stuff to me that I am it was off the record, so I can't talk about it. But his study habits, we all know, are legendary. And he's even upped that for this. So when I talk to Ben, I'm like, oh, maybe Ben's going to get it. And then I think about the, the pedigree of Dan Merle winning in every era, winning the championship in every era in the movie Trivia Schmodown. I think Dan's got this in the bag. So that's why I think this is the biggest matchup because not only is the hype there, and it was a match we weren't even supposed to see. Do you know what I mean? Like, we were supposed to see Mara versus Kevin Smets in New York. Right. We weren't supposed to see Bibbs, uh, the kid, and, and Dan Merle at all. And then that match comes about, and then Dan wins, and now you've got Dan versus Bibbs. So, I mean, the way that all these dominoes have unfolded, and then the drama with the Finstock exchange, and, and John Roca managing Dan Merle tonight, uh, Bobby Gucci managing... Been bait. There's just so many factors at play, and then I'm thinking, man, well, is Gucci gonna? Because I was talking to, to to Finstock here a second ago, and I was like, man, you're pulling double duty tonight. So he's got to think about two matches. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, really? I mean, and and technically, he's got three players in active competition, but he's he's really focused on two of them. Um, so I don't know, man. I I think that it's it's the biggest matchup in the history of the league, and I'm I'm going Dan Merle, but I'm like fifty one forty nine on it. I'm a little more heavy on Dan Merle than I think than you are. And it's funny because someone tweeted at me, uh, Colby Marin, I think his name is, uh, tweeted me asking for some stats on the final round play of Dan Merle and Ben Bateman. And so I looked it up, and some interesting stuff there. Dan Merle is 2 of 5 in his last five occurrences answering a five-pointer. 2 of 5. So not great. But the two times he has answered the five-pointer, he's won the match. Ben Bateman, 
He is four of five in his lat in the last five occurrences. He's had to answer a five pointer. However, three of those four stats. times he has lost the match, even when he has answered the five pointer correct. So just because Ben Bateman has answered a five pointer, it has not locked up the match for him. Uh, that's an interesting stat to look at when you're if you're looking at Ben Bateman because to me that says the window is still open even if Ben Bateman hits a five pointer. Usually that's that's the nail in the coffin. You hit a five pointer, more than likely you're gonna win because that's odds are that's often the last question of the match. Uh, especially if you hit it and it's on your side, right? Very rarely especially in the case of Ben Bateman, do you have to hit so many five pointers and you still lose? Usually I think you come out on the winning end of that. But with Ben, it seems that, because also to note, this is all coming off three-round matches because he's never had to answer a five-pointer. He hasn't had to answer a five-pointer since his match with Mike Kalinowski. And the last time he answered a a five-pointer and won the match was way back when he played Scott Mance. That seems like forever ago. Every other time, uh, one time before that and every other time after that, he's answered a five-pointer and lost the match. You know, he lost it against Kalinowski. He answered a five-pointer against Kalinowski and lost. So there is going to be a – I feel like, if, if these stats are any indication, there will be a window of opportunity for Dan Merrill to win the match at the end. It won't be Ben Bateman having the opportunity to win the match at the end of the day. It's going to be there for Merrill to win or lose at the end, it feels like, uh, given Ben Bateman's history. So it could, come, it could come down to the last question, which I think it will, and it will lie in the favor of Dan Merrill – and I think in this situation where he's been undefeated in live events, he's 6-0, and I think he's going to come out on top with this one. He's the undertaker right now, man. He's got the streak going. Um, talk to me, though, about, about the undercard. Who do you got in that one? This is a very interesting matchup because we've never seen Alex Damon play anything other than Star Wars. Emily Rose Jacobson, we've seen her play a couple matches in IEG. Her first one, not good against Mr. Marshall, her second one against Brandon Hanna. Uh, much improved, but given how she played against Winston, you could only go up from there, uh, and she certainly did. I'd like to see her improve some more, and, and if she does, she's going to be a real tough fight for Alex Damon. Alex Damon is a wild card. I really don't know. I mean, I hear, you know, I see on his channel that he posts some stuff about Indiana Jones, so that's a bit of an outlier in Intergeekdom, but it could be a, a, a timely strength wherever it lands in the match. I think also Lord of the Rings is a nice uh, strength for him. How deep does he go? I don't know. Is it the entirety of Middle-earth? Is it including The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings? I don't know. So there's, like I said, there's a lot of question marks around Alex Damon. Obviously, if he gets Star Wars in the second round, the place is going to go crazy, and he's going to run through it like, you know, a hot knife through butter. So I I think Emily Emily Rose Jacobson could do it. I think... um, Hopefully, she's been taking this way, uh, not way more seriously, but has been taking it seriously and knowing that if she can do this, uh, take take down Alex Damon, um, cut the legs up from underneath him right from the beginning, you know, uh, it's going to lift her up in the league in, the, in a big way and interdict him in a big way. Because interdict him is very competitive. So um, I, I think I'm going to lean a little bit towards more uh, Emily Rose Jacobson on this one. Really? So you're going Emily Rose? Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I mean, it'd be a, that'd be a big night for the Finstock yeah. Exchange yeah. then, I mean, to go a clean sweep, whether it's Dan Merle or Ben Bateman and then Emily Rose. Yeah. I think that Alex Damon, man, to be so dominant, you know, in, in one category that he's been in Star Wars, 
for him to not have some of that carry over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's not so much that it's not going to carry over. I just think Emily Rose Jacobson has improved her game. I think you know, and there's only one way to tell. We'll find out in a mere several hours. So, as as of, re- as of this recording on Saturday morning, so uh, yeah, I, I think she could do it, man. But there is a there is a point out there to be made that Alex Damon has played in multiple live events, all in high pressure situations. Although you could say not too high of a pressure situation because he's that good and he doesn't have to, you know, keep. He answered every single question at Spectacular, uh, at the biggest event we crazy. have in the showdown. So, and now he's in his hometown. It's a home game for him as well. So I think it's a very even playing field. But uh, I think. I think Jacobson can pull it off. We're going to have to see. I mean, like I said, to be so dominant in one area, for it to not carry over and be dominant in another perspective, you know, in, a, in another realm, another another league, it's almost like um, I'm trying to think of a good sports comparative, and I really can't at the time. But, you know, some people are just dominant at what they do, and you can't expect them to do other things. Like, um, uh, like you Deion got one. Sanders, what do you got? Like Deion Sanders or, or Deion um, Sanders, Bo Jackson, yeah. you know, playing football and baseball. Like, Bo Jackson, athlete. Brock Lesnar, monster. Yeah, exactly. There you yeah. go. I mean, so uh, it can be done, but and and look, if this was like Star Wars, and then he was playing singles, well, we can kind of, yeah, it's a little bit easier to decipher and be like, well, that's there's a big difference there. Star Wars and Inner Geekdom, well, he can latch on it. Star Wars, Inner Geekdom is not that far off in terms of Star Wars. I mean, like. It Study is, but, but it is, but it isn't, right? right? Sure. Because I think now, think about this. What if Alex Damon turns out to be like a Conor McGregor, right? Super dominant in the MMA world. When he's going, he's knocking fools out in 13 seconds in Star Wars. But then you're like, oh, well, you know, boxing, MMA, it's kind of the same thing, right? I mean, he could make the transition. Then he goes, you fight Floyd Mayweather. I'm not saying that Emily Rose is Floyd Mayweather, but I'm just saying um, you go over and you try to, 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 to go to boxing, doesn't work out so well for you. You go out on your feet in the tenth. So it, just because it's it's close, we think inner geekdom Star Wars doesn't mean it's the same league whatsoever. The same type questions where we can expect the same match. So it's going to be interesting to see if he what what he can do. But here's the thing. Let me ask you this: If he goes out there and pulls it off, how big of a coup is that for the rock stars? It is monster because this is the first match of the year, and we're at the end of February already. Um, so they got to make up some ground uh, any which way they can. Uh, especially when you look at the Finstock Exchange and the Den, they're at the top of the table right now. So any match that the Rockstars can get, they need to win them. Um, same for a couple other factions as well. So, yeah, this would be a huge get um, for Rockstars. If Emily Rose Jacobson wins, it's just the rich get richer. Yeah, man, the rich get richer. Um, let's talk about a little piece of news that broke over the uh, over the week. We know we're going to have a special next, was it next week, uh, next Saturday, I believe, the uh, Schmodown Throwdown. We're going to see uh, a big team match. Frank, tell us about it. Yeah, we got Corruption and the Family. It's a huge match right there, number one contender match, to play the Founding Fathers to be determined that date. I'm looking forward to this match because this is the first time we'll see Mike Kalinowski back in action. A lot of these guys, except for uh, Andrew Guy, who played, obviously, in Brooklyn. So I think Corruption is determined to get back uh, those belts uh, certainly Chance uh, is, I think he's chopping at the bit to take down the Founding Fathers for a third time this would be the fourth time Corruption faced 
the founding fathers and second time for a title. So that would be uh, immensely uh, uh, satisfying to see a fourth match between those two, especially for a belt. The family, Drew McWeeny, he's with Sam Levine again in his corner and trying to get back those team belts. And he's one match away from having an opportunity to get that belt back. Can you imagine the lion's roar out of Drew McWeeny if he were to win that team belt again, especially with Sam Levine in his corner as a manager this time? Uh, there's a lot of good storylines surrounding this match when it comes to the outcomes, as well as we're going to see Andrew Guy and Mike Kalinowski in the same space. What do you think those fireworks are going to be like? It's going to be pretty insane, man. Um I'll tell you who I think is going to win but who I'd, and then who I'd like to win because they're two different things. I think that Corruption is going to pull this one off. I mean, they've yeah. been the champions before. I think that if you look at Mike Kalinowski heads up with, with Andrew Guy, I think he beats him. If you look at uh, Chance versus Drew, I don't know. I mean, it's closer. You know, Drew might be might be the victor there, but it's definitely closer. And, you know, Drew McQueen, he hasn't had the greatest singles run in the world either. So if you look at them as individuals and those individual matchups – you know, I think corruption fares a little bit better. And then as a team, they've, they've climbed to the mountaintop before. They beat the Shire Wolves. So, of course, I think they should be the favorite going into that. And I think that they're going to pull out the victory. But I'd love to see the family get it. I'd love to see the family get it just so we can see Andrew Guy in a championship match. Because correct me if I'm wrong, he has not been in a title match at all yet, has he? Andrew oh, Guy? Uh, well, he played, he played a tournament he, final against Above the Line when he was with Team Action with Ben Bateman. So that's about as close right. And, and the Shire bad. Wolves, yeah. they weren't the Shire Wolves weren't champions when they played them at the live event, right? No, they weren't. Okay, yeah. So I mean, this is going to be his first opportunity at gold, and it, it, it's uh, it's insane that he might be a champion with Drew McQueen. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, this is Andrew Guy's second number one contender match, so his second shot at getting a title shot, uh, a title match. But he's doing it with Drew McQueenie. Um, it's interesting because when you bring it up, comparing player mano a mano, it's like, yeah, you look at Chance and Drew McQueenie as those two are probably on the same level. Kalinowski and Guy on the same level. I'd love if we had kind of uh, this bit of, uh, how would you call it, sort of like a little mini brawl in terms of they play teams and they play each other in singles. Um, those those matchups would be crazy good um, and, and exciting. It'd definitely be interesting. Yeah, I would like to see them. I would definitely like to see uh, see those matches. But I think that for this to be a lot, now here's a, let me ask you this: Does the throwdown aspect throw any throw a wrench into it at all for either team? Because Mike's competed in this environment before, uh, twice I believe. The well, first time, or Corruption has as well. I mean, Corruption yeah. with the Shire Wolves, and then Mike against Rachel. Do you think that um, the the inexperience of of it of it being live for Drew McQueen is going to have a factor? No, I don't think so, if only because it's still in a studio space, so there's that familiar setting that he's accustomed to. He's played in big matches, but obviously not as of late. Uh, he hasn't had a run. Uh, well, I mean, he had a good run, obviously, last year with the family, but uh, never got to a kind of a big stage like a live event or a throwdown uh, like he's going to have here uh, come next weekend. So, I, I But I don't think it's gonna, going to affect him, if only because Andrew Guy's going to, soak up a lot of that uh, that energy and, and, and deflect it away from Jim McQueen because 
it's going to be the Andrew Guy Mike, Mike Kalinowski show. I can guarantee you that. That's it, that's what it, the throwdown's going to be. Um, it, they're going to go back and forth, and Andrew Guy is going to keep, I think, jab at Mike Kalinowski all match long, pre-match, po- during the match, post-match, every little opportunity he can get. It does bank on the fact that they're going to need a lead, at least a one-point lead, or at the very least a tie for Andrew Guy to keep up those kind of antics because it's a, kind of a bad look if you're trailing by two or three points in the first round and you're still jabbing Mike Kalinowski, uh, a, form, a former team champ, no less. So uh, I think he's, Andrew Guy is going to be smart about it for sure uh, and take his shots and, and hopefully rattle Mike Kalinowski. Because if you can rattle Mike Kalinowski and bring Kalinowski down a couple levels, uh, that just bodes well for the entirety of the match for the family. I think that only Mike Kalinowski can rattle Mike Kalinowski. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Smets we saw rattled him the, pretty good. <laughs> Spectacular, man. Well, Smets rattled him. I, well, no, I think that Mike rattled himself. Okay. I think that he just started missing questions and realized, that damn, I'm falling it. behind here. And it was the same thing that happened in that you know infamous triple threat match with JTE and Rachel Cushing. It's just he, he, he psyched himself out. He was too wound up. So I think that he's his own worst enemy at, at times when it comes to that. But I don't think that other players can rattle him at all. Hmm. I think that it's, it's him who rattles himself. So if he can remain calm, cool, and collected, um, I think that Mike Mike's has a really good shot of, of beating any. I think Mike Kalinowski has a great shot of beating anybody because I really think that he's only beaten himself. I really do. I think he's only beaten himself. Even go back to the match with uh, the Flash Gordon. Certainly, right. yes, he beat himself on that one, yeah. You're 100% yeah. correct on that. I, I think with Kalinowski, he, I think if Andrew Guy does pull those Andrew Guy antics, as as I'm at least I'm kind of predicting, I think Mike actually might feed off of that, and that, and that might actually help him focus more uh, because now I think he would feel like he's in the thick of it and – this is go time, and he's got to hunker down and focus, and that might actually work to his benefit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mike has beaten himself, but I also think, you know, he hasn't he hasn't played elite top-tier players before, um, and he's going to get it. I mean, he has teams notwithstanding. Obviously, the Sharwolves is, 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 is the top as you could ever get. Um, but in terms of, like, has a head matchup, and I think it's, if I was the family, I would try and make it a head-to-head matchup inside the match as much as possible to where Mike feels like he's on an island, like he's not playing with chance. I think that's how you can get to Mike, is if you're able to somehow separate the match and make it a one-on-one matchup. So that's going to bank on Andrew Guy going after Kalinowski. Whether or not that could work or not, I don't know. But I think if somehow you're able to do that, especially in the first round, where Mike kind of feels like he's out on an island, it could it could rattle him potentially. But how much of that uh, energy is taken away from the match at hand when you're talking about Andrew Guy? If he's so focused on Kalinowski rattling his cage, what does that do to his own play? So it's a double-edged sword there. And now now, now that I'm talking about it out loud, maybe we're not going to see as many antics because <laughs> this is a big match and it's everyone needs to be focused. But I think if there's an opening, Andrew Guy is definitely going to take it. And same thing for Kalinowski. You know he's going to want to jab at Andrew Guy the moment he gets a clearing because it's heel versus heel, and it's i got to take my shots at this guy. What team What team has the better chance of, of dethroning the Founding Fathers? 
Corruption. Corruption. Okay. Corruption. They're they're a well they're, they are a well rounded team in every aspect. First of all, they've beaten them twice, um, so you have that. But I also think that Chance Ellison is is an underrated player because of his singles record. But again, if you look hard enough, you see who he's played and how he's played them, and it's just he's coming on those opposite end. Uh, unfortunately, too many times, uh, Mike Kalinowski. He's a great first-round player, and he can hit you the two or the three in that final round. That's all you need from Mike Kalinowski. And he can put up perfect rounds. He's done it. So uh, I think they're a much more well-rounded team. Andrew Guy is kind of, uh, I guess, the fourth-ranked player at that table, if you will. Um, he, can still uh, yeah. certainly, he can certainly put up a good first round, and, and that's what the family's going to need. Um, and Andrew Guy can hit you that two-pointer. I don't see him capitalizing a lot on a three-pointer so it's gonna be it's gonna be tight for sure do you think there's any chance in hell because i'm just thinking about andrew guy for a second even though they're on different teams one's on the fence stock exchange the other one's on the usual suspects do you think there's any chance in hell ben bateman today on saturday february 29th happy leap day to everybody by the way um we only get it once a year uh four years Every four, every four years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only get ahead. it once every four years. Oh, man. I really screwed that up. Do you think that there's any chance that Ben Bateman picks up the phone today and calls Andrew Guy and says, Hey, man, how do you beat Dan Merle? That'd be interesting. No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so either. But I like but the idea. I, like the, of it. I, I do like the idea of it, but I don't think he he does it because Andrew. Yeah. I I don't think ever had a plan to be Dan Merle. Um, so there's that. Oh man, you know that might go down. I know you you lost Schmo Bates. Yeah, thanks. But that that might go down as one of the greatest stories in the history of the league, just from the standpoint of. You have the free-for-all happen where Dan's music hits. Yeah. Oh, Dan. Andrew walks in. Best entrance, maybe of all time. And then there's the the issue, the incident at the live event where he calls out, you know, Dan calls him out or whatever. Right, right. And, they have the, and then it's like, then we go to the match, and it's, it's set up oh. for Dan just to wipe the floor with him. And he gets beat by Andrew. It's one of it's one of the better stories, I just think. Maybe not of all time, but it's one of the, it's one of the better storylines. Definitely, because I think also you look at Ken Napsok's turn, uh, betraying mm-hmm. Rachel. Um, I think that's another great one. And I'll, honestly, I'll put I'll put the Bibs and the kid somewhere in there. Like that storyline with them finally uniting the team. I'll put it somewhere because that's a you need a feel good story somewhere in there. Right. Hey, speaking of free-for-all, goes down March 21st. Let's talk about that just for a little bit before we get into the, um, before we get into the matches from the week. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts going into this free-for-all? Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody's been officially announced yet. I'm assuming we're going to hear names in the next few days after this Atlanta Live event. But if you had to take a shot in the dark, throw the dart at the dark board to hit a bullseye, who do, you, who do you see coming out of the free-for-all? Or, or, or maybe easier question, which faction do you see coming out of free-for-all with the win? That's a tough – I mean, it's tough all around because you just don't know. 
Um, it's, 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 it's honestly the impossible question. It really is, because first year, Sam Levine wins it. The year after that, Brianne wins it. Then Dan Merle wins it. I, I just, like, it, it's impossible. Could Janine win it? Sure. That'd be great. Could Brendan Meyer win it? Absolutely. It, could someone like Mark Andreco, if he gets a good slot, you know, he could definitely right. take it. I, so it's an impossible question because I could list reasons for a half dozen players why why they probably could come away with it given the right position. Um, if Bibbs were to play, obviously he's a heavy favorite uh, to try and hopefully seal the deal, although I'd probably actually bet against that, to tell you the truth, um, just because of his history of not being able to close the deal <laughs> in, in title matches and couldn't close the deal against uh, Dan Merle at the free throw. So, yeah, and... Look, if Dan's in it, why couldn't he do it again? A, a two-time free-for-all champ would just put this Further. man through the stratosphere. It, it would be – he'd be on a – can you imagine? <laughs> he's almost in the Jordan-Jay-Z conversation to where it's like, hey, okay, who's the greatest? But you got to take them out first. Like, take right, Dan out, yeah. take Jordan out, take Jay-Z out. Like, okay, who's the best? You know, who's the, who's the boat? Who's the best of all time? Um, and And you know what, though? Interestingly enough – Going back to this Dan match with Ben for one minute, I know they're they're billing it as the greatest right now versus the greatest of all time. I think there is a difference between between the two in the sense of Dan Merle is the greatest of all time. Yeah, I think Ben might be the best of all time. Do you know what I mean? There's there's no, definitely a difference. Explain yourself. So being the greatest is is about one is about accolades. Okay. Right. Okay. It's about accolades, achievements, and then people looking back at your body of work and saying, hey, with all the things that this guy's put in, he's the greatest. It doesn't necessarily mean you're the best at the game. Do you know what I mean? Okay. When it comes to strategy, when it comes to ability, when it even comes to knowledge base, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily the best. It just means that you're the greatest. I think Ben Bateman might be the best. I don't know if anybody's ever studied more, think, thought of more strategy, and thought of, you know, he's the money ball player. Yeah. And I think that he might be the best player of all time. Uh, he's the best of all time, and then Dan's the greatest of all time. I think Roka's in that greatest conversation, where there's a couple guys who are in the best conversation. It's funny because... Uh, Sam Levine, I think Sam Levine's in the best conversation. Sure, sure. Um, it's funny because when I saw that, that post of Merle and Bateman the greatest now, the greatest of all time. I was like, Dan Merle is the greatest right now, though, actually. I know he doesn't have the strap, but he still is the greatest of all time and of right now. Um, he really is, and that's no disrespect to Ben, because he's on a crazy historic run. In fact, his 5-0 run is better than Dan Merle's 5-0 run uh, when he had it way back in 2016. But Dan Merle has played top-tier talent relentlessly and has performed exceptionally well. I mean, against Ethan Irwin, he pitched a perfect game, 100% accurate game. Um, ben Bateman, he's KO'd and TKO'd in his last three. So, and you could say what you want about Bibbs, Oyama, and Brendan Meyer, all varying levels of excellence there, but he hasn't faced you know 
a Dan Merle. He hasn't faced an Ethan Irwin, who I consider elite still. Um, when he played John Roca, he lost. Um, and that was, I think, a weaker John Roca. I mean, they were both weaker players, actually, at that point when they played. So you could kind of throw that out the window if you want. I don't know that, that Ben Bateman has played enough top-tier talent for me to say that he is the best uh, in that regard. Best of right now, at least. But his play certainly speaks uh, to that point that you're making. Um, I just think he needs to play more top-tier talent. And Ben wants to, no doubt about it. And that's why he's so amped up for this Dan Merle match, because he knows that this is what it takes to solidify your legacy, to solidify your place in the Shmoda, is to play people like Dan Merle, Ethan Irwin, John Roca, uh, these top-tier guys, um, because that's what it's all about now. Absolutely. So, well, I didn't mean to go back to the Ben Dan match, but that just that thought popped yeah. in my head. But um, I, I will say, going back to the free for all, if Dan's in it, if Ben's in it, uh, that would definitely be interesting to see them two clash on the same stage again. And then um, I said it yesterday on Twitter. After watching these matches this week and watching all the matches, I mean, we I think we can agree that round one's been a little bit easier this this year. The 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 difficulty of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, I think it's been a little bit easier this year. And I think that if the difficulty of the questions carries over into the free-for-all, and they're all similar difficulty for round one, I think that William Bibiani is going to win this thing. Certainly possible. Um, but if that's the case with the the difficulty level of these questions, well, that means you're going to have guys hang around like Dan Merle, like an Ethan Irwin, like a Drew McWeeny like a Ben Bateman. They're all going to be hanging around that table. So it's really who blinks first kind of thing. So it actually becomes, this is actually, if if Bibiani does play, it's actually the worst case scenario for Bibs. Because if the questions are easier, it, it does him no good. That does him absolutely no good if the questions are um, perceived to be easier this year, right? So, because he needs them to be a little bit harder because he's better at, than anybody else, really, when it comes to harder questions, uh, most of the time, aside from a handful of other players, like the ones I just mentioned. So if they are easier, it actually opens the field way more up, which is great for the game, by the way, Which and so I'm not like har- harping on, on this point in terms of the, the level um, of the questions, but it opens up the game a lot more, which is, more, which is a lot more dangerous for a lot of these other top-tier players because now they're contending with not just a handful of players, but not like 20 other players they got to worry about because the game has opened up and more accessible uh, in that in that regard for the free-for-all. So you could say he he could win it, but and that's probably a heavy favorite in Vegas, but it, it's a lot tougher because players, other players you might not think about are going to be able to hang around much longer and just one slip-up could cost him a win cost him you know the free-for-all win or whoever really in kind of in that kind of position yeah man so like i said we'll see what happens in the free-for-all oh, let's get by the way christian did tease something's going to happen at the end of free-for-all um something's going to change the landscape of the showdown i don't know that was uh said on sen and then someone posted it up on the facebook group i don't know if anybody saw that out there so i didn't I've, see that yeah yeah i have no idea what it could be because we never really get anything at the end of a free-for-all it's you know it's a couple-hour event, but now so I don't know. 
this is gonna be interesting. So if you don't, if you're not gonna get your tickets for free for all, I would suggest get them because you never know what you're gonna see, and at the very least, yeah, get, the, get the the live stream as well. Hey, and I'm gonna be there. You are. Travel is booked. I'm nice. going to be at the free for all. All right. Yeah, and and uh, I I might be inhabiting the space that you are currently as well. So um anyway, Frank Janis, let's get to the matches that were this week. We got two of them. I want to get to this cutscene real quick with uh, Winston Marshall, uh, leader of the Swag right. Squad, and Lon Harris. Lon Harris, uh, we see him uh, up against a wall next to a I think a dumpster in an alleyway somewhere. Yeah. And Winston goes up to him and is like, "Hey man, like where have you been?" And Lon says, I've been right here. <laughs> and uh, it seems like Lon's lost his love for the game a little bit. And he, he talks about all the people are stupid. He's not using his, his, his usual eloquence right. in his speaking. And I think at one time he even prohibits himself. He places a self-imposed governor uh, to, to prevent him from going into any large usage or, right, or, or right, usage right. of large words, I should say. And then, you know, Winston was like, hey, man, like, what can I do to get you to come back and play? And I can get you a refill of that, you know, whatever you're drinking on. Right, and then right. Lon's like, all right, let's do it. And that was it. Uh, yeah. what, do you, what do you think this means for Lon Harris? And, and, and do you think that um, we're going we're to see something big from him this season? I don't know about Lon Harris, to tell you what we're going to see from him. But I, I never but know. This, yeah, but this scene, it, it, it's, it's really great because this is a Lon Harris – He's not wearing his tweed jacket. He doesn't have his pipe, you know, and his glasses. And he's downtrodden because he's he's come to the realization that the showdown is just not about, you know, um, the French New Wave. It's about Fast and the Furious. It's about, you know, blockbuster movies. And, and sure, there are some classics that'll, that'll pop in there, Hitchcock and whatnot. So it's him. Steven just, Spielberg. Say, <laughs> right um it's him just you, you know uh just sour not sour but down a- on the realization that the schmodown just won't be at my level and uh it's a great scene between him and winston um who i think are probably actually some of the best scene actors we have in the schmodown so it was great to see them actually interact for for a and and b i thought it was a great scene and you never know what you're going to get out of, out of Lon. If he can watch some quote-unquote mainstream movies, uh, he could be a dangerous guy in the in the showdown. But uh, uh, he's been his level of play is pretty good. It's playing the game. I think is what he should be more worried about playing the game. And luckily, he's got Winston Marshall in his corner, who is someone that wants to win. And if he wants to win, he's going to learn how to win. And he's going to put that, that work in, and it's going to benefit not just Lon, but everybody else in his faction. So um, I think the fact that Winston is like, hey, you know what, let me help you out. Let me get you a little some of that, and let's go do this thing. Uh, bodes well for their partnership in the future, I think. I would have loved if on his flask you just saw, like, inscribed on there, it just said, yips. Yips. I just would have loved I just would have loved that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. You know, Winston, I think it, it was really good in this in this in this role. I think he's good in this role, I should say. Okay. And um, I think that he he might be able to do some good for Long. Long is such a he's such a coin toss, like you said. He's just such a coin toss. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who almost got taken to the principal's office by Cody Hall. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Um, so you just never know. You just never know with with with, with him. So I, I'd like to see him on a winning path. And I think maybe maybe Winston's the guy to do it. But we saw Adam Witt versus Sean Sullivan in the Star Wars League. Uh, crazy that we're seeing a Star Wars match already this right. season. I mean, we're a couple weeks in and we're already getting to Star Wars. I think that actually bodes well for the division. Maybe we're going to see these more often. Um, I didn't know a lot about Sean Sullivan's or, or Adam Witt, for that matter, their Star Wars knowledge. Um, this is, I believe, the first time we've seen Sean Sullivan. And then Adam Witt we've seen before. But um, what did you what did you think? Did you know anything going into this about who was going to be the favorite who wasn't? No, I mean, I, I assumed that Sean Sullivan would be because he came into the Schmodown, uh, into the draft, as, as a Star Wars player. Adam Witt right. did not. That was news to me. I actually found that out after the draft that night. Uh, that, oh, in fact, that he wants to throw his hat into uh, the realm of Star Wars. And I was like, oh, really? That's actually good news for the dungeon. Not only does this guy play in, can play in singles and teams, but a third division, a division in which a win is worth three points as opposed to two. So if they were able to get any kind of points off of that, uh, that's a huge get for the dungeon. Now, it obviously didn't go that way, spoiler alert, but... Uh, I had I, I so yes, Sean Sullivan. Sean Sullivan was the, Sean uh, Sullivan. Yeah, Sean Sullivan. You know Sean Sullivan <laughs> from uh, the Emerald Isle. He was obviously the uh, the favorite, but Adam Witt, man, he came to play, and he surprised I think not just myself but a lot of people out there. Do you think though? Let me ask you about Star Wars here. I mean, the bar is set so high yeah. with Alex Damon. So are you going to ask me if either of them have a shot? Probably not. <laughs> no. Does anybody have a shot? Right. You know, it's, man. That's why I go back to strip this man of the title. Star Wars going forward, and I know Christian probably doesn't, probably doesn't like this idea, but I'm going to keep pitching it every week that we have a Star Wars match. Strip him of the title and make Star Wars the only division every year where there's like a year-long tournament. And it like culminates at Spectacular. Yeah. And the winner at Spectacular, it's like the Super Bowl. You got to qualify, and then, you know, we'll have a Schmodown throwdown to, to, you know, with the final four, and then go into the Spectacular one-on-one, and we'll see who the Star Wars champion for the year is, because I'm not saying it's not going to be Alex Damon, because it's probably still going to be Alex Damon. Yeah. But at least... Let's just let's have some parody. Let's let's see if somebody can upset. Let's see if Tennessee can upset New England. Right. You know what I mean? And like, let's see if it can happen. I would still also like to see Alex Damon play more, to tell you the truth. Yes. And this would be a way to do that. That would be a way to do that. <clears throat> Amongst other players as well, like Scrimshaw or DiMolato, Laura Kelly, um, you know, Sean Sullivan, Adam Witt. I mean, there's... Star Sean Wars, Sullivan. Star Wars is actually getting... You know, a little bit more deep with the roster that they have, and that excites me. And if we were able to kind of maybe implement your idea, it would make Star Wars much more um, uh, relevant—not relevant, but a little bit more uh, visible with the fan base and and added another dimension to uh, live events. Because when a Star Wars match pops up, a, a collision or a spectacular, all right. It's it's like the redhead stepchild of, of matches in a sense. It's like, right. All right, we got it. We got okay. We got this. Alex Damon. Yeah, no problem. We can kind of mosey on through this one. Let's take a breather on this right, one. Right. You know, and, and that's kind of unfortunate because Alex Damon does command uh, attention when he plays because he's that great. But I think if you're 
also able to spice it up with these other players that have come in. Um, and who else? Who else knows about any other player out there that? that could, I mean, John Roca and Kevin Smith. If you haven't seen them going back and forth on Twitter and Facebook or whatnot, uh, is that going to happen? It better happen. I'll tell you that. I don't. I don't think it's going to happen. Why not? I, I don't. I that's don't such think an that, easy. That's an easy match to set up. It really is. But do you think that Roca? I mean, I know he knows Star Wars, but yeah. do you think that he knows Star Wars? I, I, I think to a very level, yeah. Is it Alex Damon level? No, but who is? I think if this we got this match maybe somewhere late summer between Smets and Roca after they've had some time to like dive well, in and they knew they're gonna have a match, then that's you know I think you're gonna have a good match. Yeah, if if yeah, no, you're no. Here's my thing about John Roca: is this guy if you give him an, an, enough heads up. Sure. I think he can compete with anybody in any division. You know, I mean, just give him just give him time to study up. Um, you know, IG. I mean, it's this tall order, but I'm saying like he he's got the he's got the passion. Yes, that's that's the biggest thing, and he's got the will. Yeah, and you'll if get you your money's two, worth. You can do it if you give him enough um, heads up. Yeah. But let, let's go back to, to Adam Witt and Sean Sullivan. Any anything stand out to you um, overall? I mean, it was a good win for Sullivan. We, we we've got a we've got a we've got a point for the din, you know what I mean? Um, oh no, not the din. Um, yes. Who's Sullivan on? No, there's the din. Yeah, yeah, I was right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because um, Kate Mulligan, who could forget her the way she's you know. You're not Irish dancing. Do you see that Irish dancing? I was like, of course, one of the hey, Weber can, we, Irish can we say Mulligan is is knocking it out of the park? You think so? As a well, look, not as a manager yet. <laughs> But I'm saying as a as a as a character on the show, I really like Kate Mulligan. I think that um obviously in the in the deep six versus Tom and Paul match. Deep six, you mean deep thirteen? Deep thirteen. <laughs> um seven short there, buddy. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> um you know, leap year comes yeah, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but I think that I I really like her character. And speaking of, I think, great managers this season, another lovely lady, Miss Shannon Barney, um, hasn't had the best of luck thus far. Um, you know, you, you have the Bonnie Somerville match, and now you have the pimp. You know, it's funny, no one really um, harped on that at all. They just accepted... As a, as a regular nickname, The Pimp, I was like, we're not going to talk about this a little bit. Her nickname is The Pimp. We're just going to mosey on along as Clee, Clee the Pimp Wiggins. Um, of all people, Ken Knapsack and Mark Ellis didn't have an, uh, an opinion on this. I was kind of looking forward <laughs> to uh, that kind of banter. We didn't get it, so... Um, I think this might be the first time in maybe forever that both of those guys have let me down after deaths because I was like, I need me some good pimp combo, and we didn't get it. So maybe that's on the cut. Yeah, they should. They should have been talking about some purple furs, some gold trim glasses, some swangers on Vogues. You know what I mean? (laughs) Some you know, oh Chevelle type business. Um, I would. I would love if she came out dressed like an old school pimp. That would be great. Like Bishop Don Magic Juan with the pimp cup and the whole nine yards. <laughs> I, I'd be in on it. Right now, 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 Miss Wiggins, Pimp Wiggins, is what I'm going to call her going forward. She wasn't scheduled initially to play the debuting barbarian, 
but she was kind of thrown in last second, according to her post-match interview with Jen Sturger. And you know what? She was she was she was impressive. I think she's got a lot of promise for sure. Yeah. There were some um, gaps in knowledge, I think, with the Shape of Water question. Um, there was yeah. there was another recent movie that I can't think about. She she had a couple like recents that seemed to be um, a blank for her. But um, overall, I thought she was gr- she was good. But I thought the Barbarian. This guy's great, uh, or should I say, Barbarian and Elvis? These guys uh, are great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way he came out, the the promos. You know, he's talking about how I was told spelling doesn't count, which I thought was funny. Um, he he had a lot of great one liners, and then the man went out there and he didn't miss a question. Yeah, and he even got the the steal opportunities that he was given. I mean, he 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 answered everything. Uh, perfect first round, got the bonus, went uh, perfect in his category, went to multiple choice, I think, once. Yeah, what did he spin again? He, uh, Coen Brothers. Coen Brothers, right. Which I think is kind of a, maybe if you, for him, maybe not, but like if Coen Brothers came up for me, I'd be like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, this is going to be a difficult night at the Roxbury. Yeah. But um, I think that uh, he, he goes perfect. He got a steal. From from Pimp Wiggins, um, didn't even have to go in round three. I mean, could you have thought of a better debut for somebody? It was remnant. It was remnant of a William Bibiani, uh, Kevin Smets type thing where he came in and killed. Yeah, I I don't disagree. And I, and it's and I'm watching that match and I'm watching Barbarian answer everything and I'm just thinking, how in the hell? Does the Finstock Exchange end up with this guy? They already have Dan Merle, Ben Bateman, John Rocco, right. Mark Riley. Now they got this character. It's it's an embarrassment of riches. The rich get richer. Barbarian said in this post match, which is probably definitely the title of our episode. Um, and but but Clee though, she had a great first two rounds, and yeah. I was impressed with her because she came in. For all, for all intents and purposes, you know, pretty cold in terms of not really being. I I don't know how familiar she was with the Schmodown uh, prior to this. Sure, she's heard of it, maybe watched the match or two, um, but to play the game is a different story. And you know, the shape of water question, um, that one was like, ooh, how do you miss that? But also, I think it's because your brain has to find that mode of answering questions, recalling information. Um, yeah. Especially in that kind of setting. You're just, if it's something you're not used to, and if it's knowledge that 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 isn't at the forefront of your brain, like it seemed to be for a barbarian, you, and you can hear it in her post-match where she's like thinking about it, like she can get there, but it takes some brain power that, that, that she's not used to using all the time uh, to answer certain questions. Uh, to get those answers, so I, I thought more time with the, the game, studying the game, will go a long way. And I think if there's anyone to help her do it, it's Shannon Barney because I think when she puts her mind to something, uh, she can get it done more than likely. And also, she's got a great resource in Chance and Mike Kalinowski, um, two big-time players of the Schmodown. So if Klee really wants to improve her game, she's got the resources to do it. I think she has the talent to do it, the know-how. I think she definitely has the knowledge to do it. It's about 
how to play the game again the multiple choice kind of thing there in the, in the in the final round she's asking about it i think once she gets that stuff underneath her belt um she'll be good to go let me ask you one question as an anonymous man passes in the background um can the barbarian be champion <clears throat> it's too early to tell to tell you the truth because he didn't answer a final round question. He didn't, answer, he didn't have to answer a three or five pointer. I need to know what he can do with those questions because he's not going to TKO or knock out everybody he plays. He's going to run into a game, a match, where he's going to have to answer those big point questions. It's not until then can I determine whether or not he's championship level quality. Is he certainly someone who can contend? Probably, Absolutely. I mean, you don't go perfect and not be able to contend uh, if he can if he can replicate that performance again um, in his next couple of matches whatever it may be he can definitely give players fits and, and whoever he plays next is going to have their hands full I just can't say right now he's championship quality because we just haven't seen him tested we didn't see him tested the way a champion should be tested yet well, we're going to see, man, but I think a, a big win for the Finstock Exchange. Um, you know, a, another tough loss for Shannon Barney and corruption. But we'll see what happens, man. Um, Frank Janis, though, I think, it, I think it's about time to wrap this up. Uh, you, you have anything else that you need to discuss? Uh, no, I think that's about it, man. I'm looking forward to uh, the, the, the live event today in Atlanta and uh, Saturday, if you're listening to this on Sunday or watching. So, uh, um, no spoilers in the comments of this video or episode if you're watching it on Sunday. So go get the live stream. It's still available. All right, yeah, man. Go get that live stream. Follow him on Twitter at FrankieJ29. Uh-oh, there's the smash. Kevin Smets coming in for a cameo. I was going to cut him out of this episode. I know we are going to have cameos in these shows. I was going to cut him out in, in post, but... I didn't know just... we were going to have cameos in these <laughs> shows. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Speaking of yeah, cameos. Oh, jeez. Look at this character. Just trolling around this area. Is that Smets? Yeah, that was Smets. Yeah, that was Smets back. Should be here. Yeah. See how it goes. Watch tonight. Diamond in the flesh. Flesh. Of course. Dagnino. <laughs> the boat. Brad Gilmore. Did he just come robbing a bank? What is he just finished robbing a bank over there? Jeez. <laughs> this is a showdown rundown, and we will see you all next week. Have you made the switch to Nick's? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's Nix.com, promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's K-N-I-X dot com.